This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm joined by two very special guests today. I have with me Simeon Bell and Sandra Wassenaar. Simeon and Sandra work with Cornerstone Youth, and they're awesome, A. And B, because they are working with the next generation, they are frontline working with people who are part of um, what sociologists have started calling iGen. I just think of it as the generation that's grown up with a smartphone in their pocket. And because of that, this this is going to be a conversation which parents, if you're listening to in the minivan, you just need to be aware. We're going to do a deep dive on internet accountability. That means we're going to try to help to equip you as parents. But I actually think anybody listening into this will be really helped by this conversation because living in the iGen world in which we live, we've got to figure out how to apply wisdom to actually how we use the internet. It can be a great tool, but there are some danger zones, particularly with accessing objectionable, pornographic, sexual material that we want to just try to help you know ways that you can serve your kids if you're a parent or even just wisdom for you practically as a person. And these guys are going to be really helpful here. So Simeon, Sandra, thanks for your time. And I want to make this really practical. So here's what I'm going to dive into for the literal first question. If my kid has an iPhone in their pocket, uh, what should I be doing to help them? <laughs> like on a base level, do, do I just give them the iPhone and say, hey, you know, here's an iPhone, don't be dumb. Like what would you be telling parents they should do to help their kids? Well, yeah, I, th- I think the first thing is I would just raise awareness to the reality of the exposure um, in terms of negative content that they might have. So we were just looking up some stats and I, there, there is some stats that say 87% of students, meaning 13-year-olds to 17-year-olds, are online. Um, and if you've been online, you know this, uh, this to be the reality is there's not a lot of positive things online. So they are running into negative content. Um, and so there are some more stats that would say 71% of teenagers encounter, encounter pornography and they're not even trying to. Um, wow. And so I think that's just, there, there are many other negative things you can encounter, but that's kind of the first thing is, hey, there is a reality. And if your kids have these phones and it's unfiltered, then they're more than likely running into negative content. So, right. Wow. Yeah. That, that's um, a great thing to underline for people. Like just that stat, they're running into it without even looking. Right. Yeah. It's right. just there. Wow. Yes. Right. Wow. And this goes down to age, ages as low as sixth, seventh grade, you know, 10 year olds, 11 year olds. Um, I'm, we're not parents, but when we talk to parents of our students, um, we, we come across their hesitation with limits or restrictions on their kids' devices as a fear that it would put a gap between them relationally or with their trust with their, with their child. Um, and one thing that we've talked about before is this fence illustration. So, if a kid's playing in the backyard and there's not a fence, there's no protection for them to just run into the street where there, there are cars. You know, that's not. Um, but when there's a fence up to the child, it might look like they're they have limited access to the things around them. Um, but they're not at the maturity level emotionally or mentally to make the wise decision on their own to not run into the street. So 
the fence acts as that boundary that's helpful to keep them into the safe area. And we want to encourage parents, hey, that's the same thing with these limits and restrictions. Um, we're just, we just want to help them. You know, we as adults don't even make the right decisions on our phone with how much we use it. So how are we going to expect a 11 year old who isn't matured, they don't have their full brain developed yet to make that right decision for them. And so, yeah, we, we would dive into just the practical things of how they can use that, but they need the parent to guide that for them. Okay. So get uber practical. Yep. My kids got a phone. What do I as a parent need to set up as the fences, quote unquote, on the phone that are going to serve my kid the best? What's your recommendation list for parents? Yep. So um, I, we would start with three. There's three things and we're going to stick specifically with an iPhone. We'll, Simeon will talk a little bit about Android, but um, iPhone is the majority of our students. And so there's three things. Um, there's something with app limits. The second thing is downtime. And the third thing we'll talk about is approval for new websites. So all of these things exist within settings and screen time. So the screen time um, section is our friend. This is a location where everything within screen time can be con- controlled with a code, which means that if I have a screen time limit of an hour and I hit an hour, I would not be able to click ignore for the day. Um, it would be restricted with a code. And that person who has the code, parent, friend, leader, whoever, um, would just have the access to it. So they wouldn't know, they wouldn't be able to continue that. So um, three things that are helpful in there. One is app limits. So you can get really specific. Um, spe- a lot of people do social media restrictions. So they put a time limit on how much time you can spend on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever they have. You just set a time limit, boom, when they hit it, that's all they get for the day, TikTok, whatever. Um, The second one is downtime. So this basically just shuts your phone down for the night and keeps it locked until sometime in the morning. So on my phone, it's like 9 p.m. to 8.30. So at that point, nothing on my phone is accessible except certain apps, so like messages. So I keep that as access, but you can shut down whatever you want. You have control over what you can shut down within downtime. Um, and the third one still within screen time is, um, this approval for any new website. So this takes a little bit of a longer trail to get to in your phone, but it's still in settings. It's still in screen time. A parent would or click content and privacy restrictions, and then they would click content restrictions, and then they would click web content. And within that there's three levels. So this would either give a, a child unrestricted access um, limit adult websites or allowed websites. And this restriction, it just allows um, a student wouldn't be able to add any new web link without their parents' permission because they have the code. And so they'd have to say, hey, mom, dad, I want to go to, I don't know, like whatever they want. They want to go shopping online, wherever it is. Okay, mom, dad have to approve the website. So they just wouldn't have access to any web browser, Google, Safari, whatever they're on. They couldn't add anything without their parents' permission. That's great. And super helpful. Yeah. And, and I would just add, um, not a lot of us have Androids, but my wife does have an Android. So we've <laughs> done some uh, some uh, investigative work there too. And Androids are actually very easy to navigate. Really, almost all of the things Sandra is mentioning works on an Android. It, you would just go to your settings and go to the digital well-being. And then the next... Uh, stop is parental controls. And then from there, it's pretty self-explanatory. Okay. That right there is apparent. That might've been the most helpful four minutes of the equip podcast in its history <laughs> because guys, I'm, I'm not kidding. 
the number of parents that don't know, because what we just described there, you didn't tell me to go download a new app and figure out something fancy. You actually told me these tools are baked into the operating system of my kid's phone. By the way, the same sort of thing holds for an iPad. The same sort of thing holds for a, a Mac or a computer. And so as parents, the first recommendation we're making in summary is you don't need to pay to get a new app. You need to understand the parental controls that are already available to you for free on your child's phone. Right. Now, I, I want to ask you this question because we've we've actually had this conversation with some folks coming through Salt Company, our college ministry here, where we actually go and take a look and say, how many of you guys have struggled? What was your look at pornography? When were you exposed to that? And even ask them questions on, as you reflect back on that in your life, what do you wish your parents would have done for you in middle school? So, Give me a little insight into that because I think it will serve as a motivator for parents because some of them are saying, I don't want to, I don't want to put a fence up. I I think this will hurt my relationship. What, give me some, you know, pushback on that from the conversation with the college student reflecting on their middle school years. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start really quick. Um, But um, when we've asked, Hey, what are the things that you would have wanted to change the trajectory it's typically in middle school from where you ended up to where you would have wanted without the, the access, the exposure to that um, sin struggle. And it two really common things come up. The first one is just open and frequent conversation mm-hmm. with their parents. So um, no, no middle schooler might, there not, might not be a middle schooler that admits that now, mm-hmm. but any adult that gets to that point where they look back, they, they, they wish they would have had just more conversation about it. They're struggling alone. This is a super um, shame-ridden sin. And so they're not openly, you know, they're going, they're going through so many transitions, so many changes. They're not going to openly, as very easily, let alone just go to their parents and say, hey, uh, we got to talk about this. I need the sex talk with you. You know, that's not a middle schooler mode of transaction. So the first one is just open and frequent conversation um, with their parents, so parent to kid. Um, the second one was just uh, that they would have had limits put on their phones for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they wouldn't have made those decisions themselves so that they, so yeah, restrictions, just what we talked about, that those would have been put on their phones for them. Yeah. Wow. And I, I think something that can drive both uh, your kids being vulnerable with you. Um, and even we've had students come forward and I've had parents tell me this too, that they have had uh, their kid admit that they've struggled with pornography or other issues and they've asked their parents to put restrictions. So that can happen. But this next thing can drive both of those realities. And that's just authenticity. And we talk a lot about that in our church, uh, Mark, but we talk about if you, we, if you are authentic with your child, especially in terms of vulnerability, sharing the struggle that you've had that relates to what they're going through. I know we feel like it's completely different what we went through, but there are some, uh, there's some relatability. And if you can find that and be authentic with them and vulnerable with them, you will find that that will give them the peace and the comfort with you. They'll feel as if it's a safe place where they will be more readily, um, uh, available to open up with you. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage um, authenticity. Um, at the church, we, we talk about not going to the left, which is being fake. And then we also talk about not going too far to the right, which is being inappropriate, but staying in that sweet spot, which is being appropriately authentic with your child. 
So that's something else we would encourage. That's really good. Simeon, talk to me a little about social media inside of this, because we haven't addressed that specifically. We kind of said, oh, this is just purely objectionable content. But do you have advice for parents on social media? Should youth be on it, using it? What would you guys tell a parent on that? (laughs) Yeah, you said, should they be on it? I was going to say my advice is get them off of it, but I'm teasing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, if if students have phones, it's going to be incredibly hard for them to avoid social media because it's just something um, that drives um, approval and and they are getting likes on social media. So that's something they're looking for that affirmation. Um, There are stats that say that there are 80% of our students, our youth, are on social media right now. Um, And so that's a lot of students on these platforms. And so the question that I would start with is what you just uh, alluded to, Mark, there's should you even allow your teen um, to be on social media? And if you will, when does that age, when does that begin? And I think that's a parental prerogative. That's not something we would uh, dictate, but it is something to consider. Um, And ultimately, it's kind of what I said in the very beginning, there's just not a lot of positive content on there. And so we, the Bible talks about being in the world and not of the world. But Sandra keeps talking and saying that our students, their, their brains and their minds are not formed, form, uh, formed well enough yet to be able to discern what is right and wrong. So we as parents have to step in and say, okay, am I going to allow my teen to be exposed to some of these things on social media. So there are pornography is often, or or social media is often the gateway (laughs) drug to pornography um, because of some of the explicit content you can see there. Um, But there's also things like cyberbullying that happen a lot. Um, Bullying's gone down in schools because it's gone up online and social media oftentimes is the platform that drives that. So that's something to consider. But we would recommend limiting, at least limiting your kid's social media um, uh, time that they're spending on social Mm -hmm. media. And if not, um, I think of Instagram, for example, you can go and you can have your kid's profile as an example on Instagram. You can have it where they need approval to have other people follow them. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's super important. And so what we would recommend is that you would know you would have your uh, child's social media account. And anytime someone goes to follow them, you kind of set up a rule where, hey, you need to come to me so that I can approve this profile that you are following or they are following you. Um, And that's just a real practical way. Um, The second one that we've thought through is on Snapchat. Again, really think hard on Snapchat because they're where all social media platforms are negative. Snapchat's like double negative because <laughs> it's all hidden. Um, but you can at least disable the location finder in Snapchat. Um, and so the way you do that is you go to your little uh, profile on Snapchat um, and then you go to the Snap map. It's called Snap Map. And I would disable um, the locations because any person that has Snapchat is able to see where your child is. And just being protective, um, it's very wise to disable that. Mm, That's really good. You know, we've, we've decided as a family, this is just something we talked about, is that we're not opening up social media for our kids roughly until they can drive a car. And, and so that we felt like why, well, because we we're training them toward wisdom. 
And in our watch, the cyberbullying thing, I was unaware of how deep that was Mm -hmm. until I had a middle school girl. And it was very different uh, for her than it was for my son. And so it's just a, that was just a learning curve for me as a dad. It never occurred to me that actually what's happening is they're posting content, then they're watching their peers viciously sometimes tear that apart. Um, and so one of the things we did was we said, we're okay like with them using some content, meaning like YouTube, they watch a video, we're not okay with them producing. So that the the consumption versus production, this is an entertainment source. We try to limit the time on an entertainment. But once they began producing, like if you're producing thing, videos to Instagram, you're doing that to get the feedback loop from it, right? We just felt like that feedback loop, at least for our kids while they're in our home, we want their primary validation loop to come from their mom and dad and their circle of close friends at church. And, and so... Maybe that makes them a hair out of the loop, but we felt like that was uh, the better of the choices. And so my encouragement to parents is to not think that you have to do one thing or another. You do not, when your kid's like, everyone has Snapchat. No one I know has died for lack of Snapchat. (laughs) And so you are not morally obligated to say yes to your child. You are morally obligated to do the best thing you can for your child. So I don't know. If this podcast say anything, it's parents, you have responsibilities, you know, don't be afraid to to do those things, right? Right. And I, I think okay. a good, just really quick, a good way to think about that parents is we really want kids to live in person. I think it's just a good phrase, live in person. And so your child is is different um, than any other and, and, and God has given you the prerogative and the, and the call and the responsibility to parent your child. And I would just say that phrase right there, is your child living in person or are they living more online? It's just a good measurement. It's a great wisdom principle. Okay, so we've stressed baked in to master the toolkit that Apple is giving you on the iPhone. Secondly, think wisely about social media. Be very intentional about how you think about that. Third, there are some outside tools that are available to parents. Are there any that you guys would recommend apps or web tools that they might want to use in addition to what is provided? Yeah. So there's a list of great outside tools that you can implement as a family unit. So I know a lot of um, some of our parents who are small group leaders in our ministry, they will do this where they have each of their kids' devices on their app. So they have access to um, whatever their sons or daughters are looking at. Um, Some of these are um, called, we'll list four of them. The first one's Covenant Eyes. Another one is Bark. A third one is called Canopy. And then a fourth one's called Quistudio. So a lot of these do similar things. I'll let Simeon talk about um, more of what they do. But in general, they're going to give you as the parent access to your your child's texts, websites, things they're seeing on on social media, all of that. So you'll have access and a lot of them actually notify you if the phone or if the um, outside tool thinks that your child might be looking at something that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be looking at. Yes. But I'll let you explain. Yeah, no, that's, more. that's really it. I don't have much to add there. Um, other than I would say Bark and Canopy in Custodio are more um, parental to child type mm-hmm. apps. Um, Covenant Eyes, you can of course use it in that way, but that's more of an accountability um, app. 
But really, when it comes to these apps, you can just type these into Google and look up overview. That's what I've done. And it'll give you a little video, little tutorial videos of what it's about, what it does. Um, and it's very, very practical, mm-hmm. um, very easy to use. One other tool I would mention to people is um, if you haven't looked into this, not not every home needs this, but if you have a home wireless network, just go into Amazon and type in uh, parental control Wi-Fi router. And what actually is true is a lot of the router is basically you're you're gaining access to the Internet through this router, through your computer. And at the router level, there are now tools where anyone who gets onto your Wi-Fi network, you can limit content that they can access. Now, look, if they're accessing off a phone with cellular service, they could they could get around that. But it's putting another road bump in the way. And that's we've talked about the fence analogy. Another analogy we'll use is a road bump. I'm telling you, parents, your kids at a certain point are going to be better at technology than you. They, they're an iGen. They grew up with this. So they're natives in this language, and you are learning it as a second language. But, but even with that technological advantage, what I think is I want to put as many speed bumps as I can so that as they're running in the wrong direction, there's just a check where they have to stop for a second. Mm-hmm. And that stop for a second, if you're living with an open, accountable relationship, sometimes it's just going to just put that little check where God's spirit can help them. I want resp- speed bumps. So the best speed bumps, frankly, now on internet devices are thankfully baked into their operating system. You don't need more than that. But if you want to go a little further, these speed bumps can be helpful. So any kind of final comments, thoughts of wisdom, you guys are working right there with the next generation that you would just want parents, people listening to just be aware of that would help them to move forward here in wisdom. Yeah, I would start by just encouraging, um, encouraging parents. I get to meet with moms and talk often about their relationship with their daughters. And um, something I've learned about, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Mark, something I've learned about um, a middle schooler's brain specifically is the levels of development that are still happening. And and there's things that they haven't developed in their brain yet that help them um, navigate just external content in general. So there's things like they are now beginning to be aware of someone else's opinion of them instead of their own. Mm. That's one thing. Another thing is um, they have this filter that they develop. Um, I think it's in your prefrontal cortex, but I'm not 100% sure. They have this filter they develop that helps them when they intake content discern if it's true or false but they don't have that yet. And so if they have access to even just one thing like Instagram and they're seeing all their friends post the best of their lives, you're not posting the worst of your lives. Typically, you know, if they see that they're, um, or they see, they, they see other girls is what they look like, what they're wearing, where they get to live. Um, it's just a lot for them to intake. So just even in general, not even touching on the, the, inappropriate content they can access, but just in general, the protection that we want to provide where their, their brains, their beings, their souls, where they're at, um, because they're not at a place where they can do that on their own. Um, parents are, we, uh, talk about this often. Um, we believe that parents are the God given disciple of their children. Mark, you say this a lot. And so if that's the case, we, we as a staff want to help in as many ways as we can, but we always push students, um, to have a relationship with their parents. If a girl ever comes to me and shares something sensitive with me, my one of my first questions or reactions is, hey, what's your relationship like with your mom or with your dad? Mm-hmm. What Do you ever talk about this stuff with them? Um, 
because I, I want so badly for them to have that safe um, and soft landing pad that they can go to when they need to share the shameful or guilt ridden um, things that they maybe have heard or seen or done. Um, Cause that's going to happen. That, that has happened already. And so we want, we want to just always emphasize and encourage the already God given relationship that they have in their lives that they can just utilize even more. Yes. Yeah. And I would, um, I would definitely agree with all of that. I, something that I think about is it's got to be hard because we're all trying to figure out this technology. Um, this is new. This is not something um, that we've been able to uh, slowly discover, but it's kind of coming at us quick. And so I just think as a parent, um, I want to just encourage you that the win is getting your children back to the Lord and back to the word of God. Um, as Mark has, has talked to us plenty times, and as we've even just kind of spoke on this podcast, a lot of this is discernment and our children, we just have to understand they're not able to discern at the level um, that an adult can. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says, and I have it right here, Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may know, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and perfect. Um, and so I think the big thing there is that if you feel like you're losing, it's mm-hmm. okay. We all, to some degree, feel like we're losing. But if you're constantly driving your children back to the Lord um, as best you can. Um, if you're driving them back to the Lord and bringing them back to the word of God, that's actually going to be the antidote. That's what's going to set them up for success in the long run. Um, so I just want to, I just want to have a word of encouragement there for parents. Mm. Simeon, Sandra, first, uh, thanks for your time for the podcast. Second, more so thanks for the time that you've invested in the lives of young people here in this church and in my family. You've been a tremendous blessing to us. And I am absolutely sure as a parent listening in, I'm sitting here in my office while taking, doing this, but like writing notes, like, okay, I'm going to need to follow up with that (laughs) because there's steps all of us can take forward in this way to live in wisdom and to walk faithfully with our kids. This is part of an ongoing conversation that we need to be having as a church community and we need to be having as parents with our kids. We don't just have the talk. We're going to have talks Mm -hmm. because cultivating wisdom isn't a one-step process. It's a lifelong journey. And so you guys, thanks for the wisdom that you're providing for us. That's part of the reason we do this podcast is just trying to equip people to live lives of faithfulness wherever God puts them. And so hopefully for all of you listening in, you got a few tools that you can kind of put in your toolbox today that will help you to live faithfully and to lead your families faithfully. So again, Simeon, Sandra, thank you guys so much for your time. Really appreciate you both. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark.